Greetings and welcome to Surf Stuff, a Beach Boys podcast safari. My name is Mark Dillon, author of 50 Sides of the Beach Boys, and I'm joined by my partner, Phil Migliorati, who runs the Pray for Surf blog. Hello, Phil. Hello, Mark. Good to be with you today. And we're joined today by a very special guest, Philip Lambert. Philip is professor of music at Baruch College and the Graduate Center at City University of New York. And Philip is no stranger to Beach Boys fans, having written the acclaimed 2007 book, Inside the Music of Brian Wilson. And he's back with a more recent book called Good Vibrations, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys in Critical Perspective, which he has edited and which includes essays from himself and several other writers. It's a fascinating read, digs deep into the group's lyrics, its sounds, its harmonies, album artwork, and other themes, and we're very happy to have him with us today. Hello, Philip. Thank you very much. Hello. So we have a, an interesting theme for today's show, but before we get to that, uh, let, let's talk about this uh, great new book of yours. I mean, you, you wrote the book in 2007. What inspired you to, to come back to uh, this music with a new book? Well, if I may per- be permitted a little history, um, when I was in graduate school in the 1980s, nobody in the um, academic community was talking about popular music or rock music at all. That was just something you didn't do. And sometime around the turn of the century, the late 90s, early 2000s, that started to change, and people started taking this kind of music seriously as an academic pursuit, as an academic study. Um, And there were books about the Beatles that were uh, not written for your average fan, but were actually in all the the language of academic discourse. And people started to have conferences on Bob Dylan and you know, there were Pink Floyd scholars and there were Beatles scholars and there were Joni Mitchell scholars and and just within the last twenty years or so this has all started to to blossom. So I was looking for a new direction for my research in around two thousand two and I thought, well, this is probably going to take about five years. What music would I like to spend the next five years of my life with? And I thought, well, When I was a kid in the 1960s, I uh, was a big fan of the Beach Boys, and nobody is really talking about that in the academic community, so let's give that a shot. And that was the origin of my 2007 book. Uh, That book was not published by an academic press, so it was occupying some sort of middle ground between a, a popular oriented book and an academic book. After that book was published and well-received, um, people started to take, started taking the Beach Boys more seriously as an academic study. And um, I thought, well, I'm, I think I'm ready for a book that is published by an academic press that is intended for s- serious scholars. And um, the book I ended up with, this collection of essays, was published by University of Michigan Press, which is one of the most prestigious publishers. They have a great series called, um, I think it's Sounding Pop, Cracking Pop. And uh, so I'm very honored to have this essay collection in that um, series. Uh, the essays are by some of the most important scholars working in the area of 
popular music and 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 now becoming more active in Beach Boys and Brian Wilson research. This is certainly a book for those who want to be scholarly, but not. You haven't forgotten the rest of us when you write this stuff. Is that fair to say? I'm really glad to hear you say that, and that's one of the advantages of having such a variety of perspectives within the same book is there's bound to be something for everyone. Well, uh, maybe we'll do that as a segue into our focus or topic, uh, Pet Sounds, the prequel. What we're trying to do here is to, and you know, hindsight is 2020, no pun intended with the Beach Boy album title, but you know, with hindsight, we can go back and, and, and at least from our own individual perspectives, the three of us, as we talk, say, you know what, knowing what Pet Sounds is, having experienced it, having dissected it, having loved it, all those things, um, here are some songs that maybe we didn't realize it, but they were giving us a clue that uh, looking back, we realized this is Brian experimenting with something and it becomes something different or better in Pet Sounds. And so that's our idea. We've talked a little bit about uh, what's the criteria, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think, you know, we'll probably blow that up once we start, but at least we all, the three of us, as we came up with our list, looked at things like the structure, the musicology of it, those kinds of things, especially that you, Philip, would be able to, you know, give us insight into. Um, also, the uh, the story, if you will, what's what what's being said is is it uh, the same kind of for me? Is it the same kind of angst that uh, you know and love that Brian was feeling in Pet Sounds? Um, and, and and style isn't probably the right word, but the sound maybe uh, you know maybe there's some songs that just sound like Pet Sounds now that we listen back. So we're not going to you know force ourselves with those categories, but at least we use that as a jumping off point to to make our selections. I think we should add, uh, just to, to put a date stamp on this, that Pet Sounds was released on May 16th, 1966, so we can compare that to uh, the other songs that are mentioned. And I just want to say that, you know, um, to a lot of, a lot of uh, music listeners, they think Pet Sounds was a huge jump forward for Brian Wilson, came out of nowhere. In some senses, I think that's true. Like, I think there are things on Pet Sounds that there, there isn't really uh, a very clear precedent to, but, but in a lot of ways there is. Uh, and, and there is a chapter in Philip's new book that sort of talks about the progression, you know, of, of the Beach Boys music from the early 60s to, to what you call the artistic period of 1965 and 1966 of Pet Sounds. So uh, anyway, very, very interested to hear what uh, Philip has to say. Well, uh, I'm going to start with the most obvious answer, uh, which is what you always hear, that the uh, songs on side two of the Today album were important precursors of what happened on Pet Sounds. And so I'm talking about Please Let Me Wonder, I'm So Young, Kiss Me Baby, She Knows Me Too Well, In the Back of My Mind. And, well, there's one more cut after that, but that's just filler. And it's hard for me to talk about influence on Pet Sounds without thinking of those five songs, not only as individual songs, but I actually think that as a group, they kind of make a little sweet, a little sense that they all belong together uh, in that order, in the same way that the songs on Pet Sounds do. Of course, on Pet Sounds, it's the entire album that gives you that feeling, and on side two of today, it's just those five songs. What I did in my uh, 2007 book and 
and I've thought about a lot is to think of pet sounds as a kind of song cycle in the classical sense. And I would say the same about these five songs. I think they make a little um, miniature song cycle. Uh, for example, the first and last songs, Please Let Me Wonder, and In the Back of My Mind, are both in the same key. Uh, I'm So Young and Kiss Me Baby are also in the same key, E flat. Uh, and Well, the first and last are in F, and second and third are in E flat. And then She Knows Me Too Well, the fourth one, is in B, which has uh, a third relation with the previous two songs. Uh, and that's something else I've studied a lot, is the importance of third relations in um, Brian Wilson's music. So so if uh, someone said to Brian, why the order of those songs, I'm thinking of, well, maybe it starts with when you're together, and then you break up, and then you get back together. And you're saying it, it may be as much, if not more, on the basis of uh, how song th two ends and song three begins in terms of what key they're in, that kind of thing? Yes. Well, I think it's everything. It's all those things. Um, the the first and last songs, for example, uh, well, it, it has a, a theme of young love, sort of like Pet Sounds does, just these five songs. Um, in the first song, the uh, text starts about, talks about the protagonist uh, trying to keep his identity while he's giving away his heart. Please let me wonder. And then, so that's all internally. It's about him wondering. And then in the fifth song, in the back of my mind, again, we're in, he's internalizing it. And it's, again, about uh, his insecurities and, and how he feels like, uh, despite this possibility of romance, he still can't be satisfied. And then the middle three songs... Um, these are examples of why this is troubling him. Uh, I'm so young says he's afraid he's too young for commitment. Uh, Kiss Me Baby it, it has uncertainty in it. He's not sure what he wants. Uh, she Knows Me Too Well suggests that he's also insecure because he feels like he can't be trusted. So those are little vignettes from his life with this girl and then in the end, we get back to the basic insecurity, of the, the, which is the message of the whole group, I think. Not surprisingly, uh, yeah, I have several of those songs uh, on my list as well. I mean, She Knows Me Too Well, which, which you know, dates back to 1964. It was released in August 1964 as the, as the B-side to the When I Grow Up single. To me, it, it uh, reminds me of You Still Believe in Me, because um, it's, it's about you know, the, the, the author, the narrator, being very self-critical about the way he treats his girlfriend with lines like, and then I'm not happy till I make her break down and cry. Uh, and, and then in, in both cases, he's expressing a sort of appreciation that she sees through his actions and, and still loves him despite all that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, certainly the, the, comp the complexity of, of relationships is very present on, on side two. You know, a few years earlier, he was looking at that surfer girl from a distance and he had a big crush on her. Well, now he's in a relationship and it's not going the idealized way that, uh, that he thought it might. And, and I think even musically, some of the high notes that you hear in She Knows Me Too Well and You Still Believe in Me, there, there's some kind of relation there, at least to my untrained ear. Yep, I totally agree. And so I, I would definitely include all those songs, but I would specify they have to be in that order. In fact, I was thinking this would be side two of my Pet Sounds prequel, uh, 
starting with Please Let Me Wonder on the first track. And then after that, I would put in an instrumental, just like the instrumental pet sounds in the album pet sounds. So I've, I've the obvious uh, instrumental uh, that's most influential on the instrumentals in pet sounds, I think, is Summer Means New Love from Summer Days. The, one, the way that I approached this was similar. So I, I was starting off, you know, side A of Pet Sounds. What, what are some of the earlier examples of, of some of these songs? At a certain point, I couldn't really hold that up any longer because I, I couldn't find, you know, precedence exactly for, for certain songs. But um, in terms of the instrumental, I went for a far more obscure choice. I, I chose a track called After the Game. Hmm. I, I knew you were going to come up with something off the grid. Go ahead. So after the game is a B-side that Brian cut as far back, somewhere around August 1963, and uh, it was released as the B-side to Pamela Jean, which he recorded as the Survivors, uh, which was essentially Brian, his roommate Bob Norberg, and some of their buddies. So, I mean, their collaboration was Pamela Jean, whereas after the game is, is really a Brian thing, just like the instrumentals. On Pet Sounds, they're not really a group thing, they're a Brian thing. So this is, might not be known to a lot of people, this track, but it's, it's a guitar-based instrumental, very delicate and very surprisingly anticipating Let's Go Away for a while. So uh, it, it's pretty stunning to, uh, to hear that song on a CD called uh, Pet Productions, I believe, uh, and, and hear that Brian was thinking this way as far back as 1963. Yeah, Summer Means New Love was a lot more recent than that, but uh, I do remember vaguely hearing that track. I do have it on my computer, so I'll have to listen to it again. Uh, but uh, I think that I would say the same thing about Summer Means New Love. The guitar sound is very much like the two instrumentals, especially uh, Let's Go Away for a While. Yeah. So you've got uh, half your work done for you with uh, the Beach Boys today, and then Summer Means New Love. What else do you have? Well... Um, I, I'm doing, I did 13 songs because there are 13 on Pet Sounds, right? Um, right. So I needed a finale that reminded me of Caroline No. And um, the, the song that has a, a melody that's similar to Caroline No, you know, the way Caroline No has these big leaps and it's very lyrical. And and especially in the bridge, it's his Brian's voice has this sense of yearning and and uh, real pain. Uh, so I was trying to think of a song like that, and the one that came to mind was not a Beach Boys song, but it is a Brian Wilson composition and Brian Wilson production. And that is "Guess I'm Dumb," recorded by Glenn Campbell. I think it fits on this album perfectly. Yeah. The, the theme of the lyrics certainly does. And um, like I said, it, it just kind of reminds me, the, the melody sort of reminds me of Carol, the Caroline No melody. Also, the, some of the chord changes are a little similar. Caroline No is famously ambiguous in its harmony, which is one of its charms. Uh, Guess I'm Dumb is a little clearer, but it has some of that same sense of experimentation and harmonic wandering which I really like. 
I would say Guess I'm Dumb is a little bit unique in the Beach Boys catalog, if, if you or the Brian Wilson catalog, I guess I should say. It has a, a real jazzy kind of loungy sound to it with bongos and all that. But I mean, it does incorporate strings and horns together in a way that Brian would certainly do again uh, on Pet Sounds. And, and yeah, as you say, the introspection of the lyrics, the way I act don't seem like me is the very opening line. So certainly uh, Brian in introspective mode. Yeah, I love that song. Uh, another song that I thought of for that slot, the Caroline No slot, and you guys might blow it out of the water uh, lyrically or uh, structurally, but uh, Sherry, She Needs Me, also known as Sandy or Sandy, She Needs Me, it eventually uh, became She Says That She Needs Me on the Imagination album. Um, just had that, maybe the feeling of uh, uh, angst of, you know, the Caroline No kind of feeling uh, and he's being torn totally different context here being torn from one girl to another but uh, so just from that point of view of of the difficulty of of saying what he needs to say uh, or facing what he needs to face uh, that made me think of that song in that spot yeah that's a wonderful song it came very close to making my list but not quite Ah, okay. How could they not have finished that song back in the day? I don't understand that. That would have been up there with their best, their best songs. I think if they had finished it. I mean, uh, in in Philip's book, uh, somebody mentions that perhaps uh, that's the song that Dennis was supposed to sing, and he slept in instead of going to the studio. But I don't <laughs> understand how they could let that one sit for so long. Yeah, I agree. Well, Brian kept going back to it. I mean, he went back to it in 1976 and recorded a vocal and, of course, on the Imagination album. And uh, in my book, I talk a little bit about uh, how uh, during his solo album in 1988, there was a, a big attempt by Russ Teitelman, um, who co-wrote uh, Sandy and Guess I'm Dumb uh, and was producing much of that album for Brian. Like part of the reason why he wanted to do the album with Brian in 1988 was so that they would finally finish this song. Like he valued it even more than guess I'm dumb. They, yeah. uh, did some tracking. They called it Terry. She needs me, I believe. And, uh, but due to the interference of Eugene Landy, it was never, uh, never properly finished. Uh, I'd like to talk about the sounds of pet sounds a little bit, because that's always what strikes me. Um, not just the, you know, introspective lyrics and the great vocal harmonies and all that, but there's so much instrumental color on this album. And I was thinking, you know, wh what are the precedents for this in, in the Beach Boys catalog? I'm thinking of the of songs like um, the ones that in on Pet Sounds that have instruments you don't normally hear on a pop album like French Horn and God Only Knows, English Horn, and I'm Waiting for the Day. Uh, several songs have harpsichord, and there's, you know, the orchestral strings in several songs, uh, accordion in uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice and God Only Knows, mandolin in a couple of songs, banjo, ukulele, bass harmonica, bass flute. So I was trying to find a, at least a couple of songs that show Brian trying out some of these instruments prior to Pet Sounds. Um, there are some harpsichord songs, like When I Grow Up has a harpsichord that's pretty prominent. So that made my list. That ended up being the first track on my side A, which is from the Today album. 
And what a great uh, record that was. And, and you know, uh, not what you would expect necessarily as a follow-up to I Get Around, but, uh, you know, very introspective lyrics. And, and yeah, beautiful production, uh, not by the Wrecking Crew, but but by the Beach Boys themselves. And uh, as I recall uh, from my research, Brian really put them through the ringer on that one doing, you know, we're talking about 47 takes or something like that, but he uh, they finally got it right. Yes. Yeah, some of the... Uh... Songs like that, Kiss Me Baby was one when I first started getting access to bootlegs and hearing, you know, my wife thought I was going crazy just hearing the same, not even the same whole song, but just sections of it, you know, over, over, over all the different takes. That was one of them, but uh, beautiful song emerged. And I think it it's perfect for the, it's really the theme of, of Pet Sounds, if you will, or certainly the prequel Pet Sounds what's it going to be like when I grow up and get to be a man, to be mature and adult? Um, Pet Sounds certainly explores that. So great, great first song. Yeah. And I think one, I think maybe the earliest song that I, that made my list, I'm just looking at the dates, uh, is from the All Summer Long album, We'll Run Away. Yep. Did that make anybody else's list? It, it made, made mine, my list yes. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Strong candidate. Go ahead. That fits in with the theme that we're talking about, and um, it also has some of that um, sort of uh, vague, ambiguous harmony, and has a an air of mystery that some of the Pet Sound songs have. I think. Yeah, all about uh, you know. It, it, it's so painful to be a teenager. Why, why can't be older so we can uh, get married? Yes, exactly. And, Great and song. of course, we already mentioned the, the song in passing, but uh, on side two of today, there's the cover of the students, I'm So Young, which uh, expresses the exact same sentiment. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking I, sh- I should put a cover at the end of side one. <laughs> there's a cover at the end of side one, if that sounds. Um so I, I was thinking of another Phil Spector production for the for that, uh, Then I Kissed Her from the Summer Days album. I, I guess the connection between the two tracks, between Sloop John B and uh, Then I Kissed Her, Then I Kissed Her is sung by Al Jardine, and of course Al Jardine is often credited with, with inspiring Brian to cover Sloop John B in the first place. Yes, I like it. I came up with uh, sort of a Sloop John B uh replacement as well but you guys might be surprised by what i picked mark nothing uh, car would surprise crazy, me car you crazy cutie car crazy go ahead go ahead yeah i mean i maybe you didn't think we'd have any car songs to talk about but uh i think i got thinking in a certain direction again thanks to philip's book um when i was listening to car crazy cutie and it's interesting because so this is on the 1963 Little Deuce Coop album. It's it's not a single. It's a, it's an album cut. It is by far the longest song on Little Deuce Coop at two minutes and 47 seconds. That's quite a bit longer than anything else. And as is pointed out in Philip's book, you know, a lot of those songs are very short. Therefore, they they can't explore as much ground. But when when you when you open it up to two minutes and 47 seconds, you have opportunities to try some things. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, But when I was listening to it at about the two minute and three second mark, the instrumentation drops out. And for 11 seconds, it's just the boys singing over top, 
dead air, basically. It's just them singing. And so, of course, Luke John B. is, is famous for that. So it's a, it's a technique Brian was trying even back then. Yeah, I like it. I certainly did so not. So, Philip, uh, Mark would get a, an A-plus on, on this one in your class? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. That's great. I certainly did not have the Car Crazy Cutie on my list, but uh, that's very interesting. What else you got? So, well, song three, side one. Um, somewhere in the middle of side one, I'm not sure where, I would put Let Him Run Wild from Summer Days. And um, I'll tell you in a kind of technical way, not too technical, I hope, why one of the reasons I like this song, and that is that it doesn't start by, t by telling you in its harmony what key it's in. You don't really know. Um, uh, music theory teachers like me uh, talk about this a lot because this is a, an interesting problem. If you don't tell the listener what key your song is in, then uh, at, at what point do you disclose that information or do you keep it a mystery? And uh, this song, Let Him Run Wild, I think, and as Brian has said, is specifically inspired by Burt Bacharach, who was another songwriter who did that, who started songs without clearly stating what the key is, at least not at the beginning. If you think of a song like Wives and Lovers, by Jack Jones or uh, Dionne Warwick songs like Anyone Who Had a Heart or Walk On By, those are the same thing. That They don't start with a clear presentation of the key. Um, so uh, we call that a non-tonic opening or an auxiliary cadence. Um, so it's a great song. It fits in with the theme, and it has that sense of harmonic mystery that I hear in God Only Knows and uh, Caroline No, and really most of the songs on Pet Sounds. It sounds like a direct precursor to Pet Sounds. I mean, it's more keyboard-driven than, than it is guitar-driven, although there are some guitar fills, uh, probably by Carl on his 12-string, I'm not sure. But uh, they're very reminiscent of uh, guitar fills that you hear on a song like um, That's Not Me. Uh, and, of course, again, just the, the, the emotion of the song about, you know, you know, leave that guy and come with me. You know, you could see something like that in uh, I'm Waiting for the Day. Yep. Yeah, this was on my list, too. Um, I'm trying to look and see what I had connected it with. I think it was a side two song or something. Uh, here today, I love I loved it to me. And I, I again, I confess that I couldn't make the musical structured thing here. But just the feeling I have from here today is kind of the feeling I get from from uh, Let Him Run Wild. And it's almost like on uh, the first one, he's talking to the, obviously, he's talking to the girl. Hey, this guy's no good, Let Him Run Wild. On the other hand, he's talking to the guy and say, you know, love's here today and she's gone tomorrow. Um, and I know that our goal is not necessarily to link all these songs up and, and just do the same order, but um, I like the song. I think it's a great spot where you've got it. and. Uh, I think it, uh, again, it reminds me of one of the more upper songs on the album, Here's Today. Here Today. I don't know if if my other songs fit the theme as well, but I was just trying to think of songs where Brian was experimenting with harmonic relationships, uh, which is one of the most interesting parts of Pet Sounds. So my other two on side one, somewhere in the middle, 
were Don't Hurt My Little Sister and The Little Girl I Once Knew. And I know Phil's happy to hear that because he loves The Little Girl I Once Knew. I do. I love that song. Yes. <laughs> but, but you go, Phil, so you, you know, unpack it any way you want. Uh, in the course of that song, he starts this sequence of harmonic relationships, this series of fifths. Uh, he does the same thing in Don't Hurt My Little Sister, too. Um, and they have titles that are similar. So maybe they're in a way they're both working out harmonic problems that are similar. Uh, ah. But just w when it's kind of an ordinary song harmonically, and then you get to the chorus, and suddenly you, you sit up and think, wait a minute, how did we get here from where we were? And uh, once again, I'm just I was just thinking of songs that duplicate that experience from pet sounds when you're in the middle of a song and you think, wait a minute, how did we get here from where we were? I always thought that the little girl I once knew um, has sort of the sound of pet sounds and it certainly has a theme from pet sounds. And I mean, I think a lot of us would agree that if that had been a bigger hit than number 20 on the billboard charts, it would have been on pet sounds Imagine it having been the number one, uh, the leadoff song. I mean, of course, you, you can't really top Wouldn't It Be Nice, but had it been The Little Girl I Once Knew, there would have been an interesting arc to the whole album because you're starting off with essentially a celebration of of, of a girl uh, becoming a woman. But Carol, I know, is the opposite. It's, it's, it's lamenting that transition, yeah. you know. Uh, right. So I think that, that, that would have been uh, interesting. And I'd just like to also add that, so yeah, so it, it has the sound and theme of Pet Sounds. I think it has the structure of Smile. Like, it's even shooting that far ahead because to me, it's Cabin Essence, you know, under a different name. Yeah, obviously, I had Little Girl I Once Knew. Uh, my thought was it really could, be, it comes as close, maybe thematically and feel-wise for me. Uh, uh, wouldn't it be nice? It's not the same song, but we're, doing a prequel where wouldn't it be nice is not there. So it could be a great way to open the album. For me, both those songs, I love the way they start with just the instruments. Again, totally different, but that same, I, as soon as I hear the first uh, note or chord or whatever it is, Philip, you can school me on what that, how to say that. But as soon as I hear the first sound of each song, I'm just drawn right in. And it's different uh, statements, of course, but uh, very much a, a happy, joyful kind of feeling in both and uh i love it my only uh inner battle was well with little girl i once knew a lead it off or uh, when i grow up as you have is side one cut one is just setting the theme basically for the prequel and for the bad sounds album itself so it's that's perfect that way i also mentioned don't hurt my little sister yeah um which also i don't know it might be a stretch to include that one but i was just thinking of uh, lyrics aside, what happens in the instruments? I, I just want to say something controversial. I, I, I kind of feel that the Beach Boys today is more of a leap forward for the Beach Boys in 1964 and 1965 than Pet Sounds was in 1966. We're finding so much of, of what's on Pet Sounds being given birth to on, on the Beach Boys today. I mean, that that came out quite a while before Pet Sounds. I mean, I, I, I wonder how many people were really hip to it at the time that thinking, hey, this is, this is a major step forward for, for this pop band. Uh, Philip, before you, res you respond, and we, we want you to, even if you knock us both down, uh, I hadn't thought of it that way, uh, Mark, but, but I think there's some credence in that. 
What I got from uh, Philip, your book is, and if this misrepresents you, please say so. But I, I think I, I got the idea that Pet Sounds was the first album that we needed to stop saying Brian's progressing. He's getting better, better production, uh, you know, better maybe even uh, harmonics, all those kinds of things. And it wasn't like it was a sidestep, meaning it didn't really go any further, but it was a step into a different, almost arena, a genre, something, uh, because look what comes after it. It's not a progression from Pet Sounds. It's just some, it's from, it's like doing, you know, all the early songs were Planet Earth, but now we're going to Mars with Pet Sounds and we're going to Venus with, uh, you know, Smile, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just making that up, but um, I don't know. I, I like what you said, Mark. What do you think, Philip? Well, I, uh, I'm i trying to think about the idea of a bigger leap to the Today album. Uh, what I would say for sure is that, like I said earlier, today the, the, the songs on side two of Today do in microcosm what Pet Sounds does in a larger sense in, on both sides. So... In a way, Pet Sounds takes that idea from the Today album and then just expands it. So does that mean it's it's not as much of a leap forward? Well, in that sense, perhaps. But I would think that I would say that there are other respects in which Pet Sounds is a huge leap forward, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the overall ordering of the songs and the way that they're interrelated musically uh, in their harmonic progressions. Also, they have little musical ideas that keep coming back uh, in throughout the album in Pet Sounds. And I don't, at least I, so I've been looking for it. I didn't, haven't found that kind of song-to-song progression or song-to-song unity in the songs on side two of today but um i will that sounds has, has a greater overall sense of, of of the album format i guess but i would also say that some of the things that are really uh, mind-blowing really innovative about pet sounds are a considerable leap forward from what we hear on today i'm i'm thinking not just about the harmonic progressions but especially about the instrumental colors and also about ways in which the Pet Sound songs relate to each other. They create this not only a, a, a textual narrative, but also a musical narrative of little connections between the songs, little musical ideas that remind you of something you heard two songs ago or five songs ago, and chord progressions that re keep coming back uh, in different forms, but but they're definitely connected. I'm sure this wasn't a conscious thing when Brian was writing the songs, but after he started putting them together as an album, I believe he, on some level, recognized these relationships and found that as he put the songs together, they were all making this logical musical progression, not just to tell a story, but also to present melodies and harmonies in a very logical and orderly way. I'm sure a lot of people would agree with that. It is worth noting, I mean, when I interviewed Tony Asher for my book, 
he insisted that they had no master plan yeah. for these songs. Like he did, he said, well, it's not like we felt, okay, now we need this kind of song. We have to write this. Like they, they just wrote sort of what, what was popping into their head at the time. And I think, I think, I guess they were in a certain groove. So I think naturally a lot of these songs uh, explored some of the same themes. And I guess it's Brian's uh, music and sequencing that really uh, put it all together in a nice package. Yeah. If the organization of Pet Sounds was not conscious and was not intentional, that just makes it more interesting. Right. Stream of consciousness. Sure. What's still on your I, list? You I have always a surprise me, so I won't be surprised. <laughs> well, yeah, I took sort of a left field direction on some of these choices. I guess I guess I knew I, I agree very much with uh, with Philip's picks, uh, and I, I guess I had a feeling they were going to be mentioned. So I, I tried to pick some different ones as well, and I'll, I, we could just run through that. Uh, you know, we've touched on this already that some of Brian's earlier experimentations were not necessarily for Beach Boys records, but for other artists. Yeah. So I was trying to think of, of a kind of a musical equivalent to uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice? And, and you know, maybe it's just me, but the one that I came up with was He's a Doll by the Honeys. And I chose it because, I mean, it, you know, it's got that guitar opening, although much more brief in, in the case of He's a Doll. Then, you know, the, the big drums come in, and, and it's just such a soaring pop song with a real Spectorian production to it. It's, it's sort of, <clears throat> it sort of gives me a, a similar vibe, but that's a very personal choice. I don't know if you guys uh, hear that at all. Yeah, you make a good case. Well, it certainly has that, that, that kind of production. Um, and then I picked uh, The Warmth of the Sun, as I was going through some of the earlier albums, um, I mean, you know, certainly one of Brian's greatest ballads, one of his saddest ones. I think it rivals Caroline No on that yeah. front. Uh, sure. it, it has a, a sort of jazzy beat to it, uh, an arrangement. And uh, I think lyrically it offers kind of an interesting counterpoint to, to God Only Knows because uh, in God Only Knows, sort of like, you know, on uh, in the back of my mind, it's really about the protagonist worrying about what would happen if he if he lost his beloved well in the warmth of the sun he's already lost her the difference is and god only knows he's kind of thinking if i lose her it's all over whereas in the warmth of the sun he he's so in love with this woman that's rejected him that 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 he's going to carry that love with him his love is like the warmth of the sun it won't ever die it's a pretty uh pretty sad and desperate kind of statement i think that was definitely on my short list. It just didn't make the final group. <laughs> uh, and here's another one of my uh, surprise car song picks. Uh, and, and again, we can relate this back to uh, a chapter in Philip's book about sound effects. But uh, 409. Uh huh. 409 is is the my equivalent to Caroline No, if you can believe that. And, and, and if only for the reason that Caroline No famously ends with with the train sounds. 409. <laughs> Be- begins and ends with with, with the sound of a, of a car engine revving up, you know, much, to the, much to the chagrin of Brian Wilson's uh, Hawthorne neighbors, as the story goes. But yeah. I mean, it just shows that even as far back as 1962, Brian was was playing with sound effects and and seeing how that could be incorporated uh, into his songs. I'll take this opportunity to reiterate that uh, the second chapter of my new book is uh, about that very subject about sound effects and Beach Boys songs, and it's um, the author is uh, one of my esteemed colleagues who is on the faculty at Yale University. It's a very nice essay. Uh, Mark, uh, 
I don't know of anybody else who would equate 409 to Caroline. No, you've done it again. Uh, okay, you, you think you think that one was out of left? Oh wait no! My, wait to hear my next one. Uh, I'll preface by saying this is my stupidest choice, but Cuckoo Clock off Surf and Safari. If only because of setting. So I can't help but but when I picture Cuckoo Clock, I, I also picture Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder. I mean, musically worlds apart, of course. I, I don't see much of, of a precedent in, in any of, of the Beach Boys earlier songs to Don't Talk. But, you know, what's Cuckoo Clock about? It's, a, it's about... Uh, a guy and his girl, they, they're, they're finally, they got their moment together, you know, the moment of truth, shall we say, and it's interrupted by this annoying cuckoo clock. Well, don't talk, put your head on my shoulder. It, it, he's revisiting that exact same scenario, but in the four years that have passed, Brian has had the good sense to throw out that damn cuckoo clock. <laughs> I'm speechless. <clears throat> well, I thought I'd, I'd add something a little different. <laughs> Excellent connection. I just have one well, more one more song to bring up um, as I was perusing the earlier albums, and that's The Lonely Sea, which, yeah. uh, which is a song that blows me away. And uh, in, um, in Philip's book, the chapter where it talks about, you know, the Beach Boys starting off as apprentices and then graduating to craftsmen and then artists. I mean, I think that's the chapter in which The Lonely Sea is cited as being ahead of its time because it has a song structure more in tune with, with maybe the artistic era. I mean, that's an incredible song that was recorded in 1962 by, uh, by Brian and, and Gary Usher. Uh, it's so melancholic, uh, haunting. Uh, it, it's unlike anything else that Brian did for a few years. Um, and so it does remind me of, of, of the, of the pet sounds era, the later era, uh, you know, the, the, the haunting kind of ballad, to some extent might might uh, be compared to Here Today or Caroline No or uh, Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder. But uh, that song just amazes me that uh, that young, young Brian uh, came up with that one. I, I like it. Um, is that the, would you say that's the earliest precursor of Pet Sounds on your list? Well, aside from Cuckoo Clock, but we we could throw that one out the window. But so okay. artistically speaking, I would say yes. Yeah. So that, that's where it all begins, I guess. Well, yeah, another I mean, one. I think it, that's it's as old as Surf and Safari, uh, that song. But anyway, go ahead, Phil. Well, uh, yeah, I, Lonely Sea, Warmth of the Sun, those are on my uh, long list. But uh, In My Room is one that kept coming back to me. has not the same feel as lonely, the lonely sea, but certainly that introspective aspect. And I'm not sure which came first. You got, you'll remember better, uh, Mark or Philip, but, uh, the it, lonely sea er definitely is older. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be first, but you know, this is early, uh, for me in my room, it, it connects with, I know there's an answer and oh. I know that I know there's an answer was not the original lyric of the song. Uh, you know, it was more about, uh, um, hang on to your ego, uh, you know, drug related kind of thing. But I think regardless of what I did iteration of that song in my room fits in the sense of going to a place of uh, introspection, safety, um, self-esteem, you know, so, so if, either way, whichever title you want to use, uh, it's the idea of, of searching certainly and in my room, you know, prayer is part of that. So there's a spiritual dimension um, that w in my room, lonely sea, warmth of the sun were three that, kind of the, maybe ballads, not the exact right word, but that kind of feel. 
then I had a couple more that uh, I don't think we've mentioned that uh, could have fit. Uh, one was Don't Worry Baby. Yep. Uh, just a you know great song. Uh, I'm thinking it's it's again could be one of those you still believe in me songs like Don't Worry Baby. I I won't mess up, but later on you know what I keep messing up and yet you still believe in me. So it's kind of a love song there. Uh, Wendy also came to mind, and mostly yeah. because I was looking for a Caroline No connection. And uh, I love the song Wendy, but it, it's also a song, you know, Wendy, what went wrong? Caroline, no, don't go, you know, that kind of thing. So some connection there. Uh, and I'll throw two more out, and then if there's any worth talking about, we can, and we can close up then. But uh, one was uh, not a Brian Wilson written song, but uh, he sang it. It comes from the Christmas album. I knew, Mark, you'd pick some from uh, seeming obscurity, and so I had to try to match you. And so Blue Christmas comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we think of Elvis and, you know, where where would this fit on Pet Sounds? But it, just the idea that he is, uh, you know, in, it, it, because it's a Christmas song, we, we maybe don't think of it as, as uh, serious or not. But, you know, here, here's a guy who is, again, haunted, introspective, that kind of thing. And then last one, and maybe a feedback on this one, see if I'm just out to lunch, but kind of connected to Christmas album, though it's not a Christmas song and wasn't included on it, recorded around that time, uh, The Lord's Prayer. And I'm not smart enough to know structurally if it comes anywhere near or if it's just a one-off thing, but just the idea of, again, uh, a uh, spiritual connection, uh, what's not about love, obviously, but, but... uh, you know, you use the in my room thing, a place where I can pray. So here, here's a prayer. It could prayer certainly for young guys who pray. Uh, they pray a lot about having the right girlfriend, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and and it it's just, it's almost a sound like almost no other that I can think of in terms of song. So, so that was the last one that I had on my list that we've not covered. In my room, don't worry, baby. Wendy, Blue Christmas, Lord's Prayer. Obviously, that not obviously. Th- those wouldn't have fit on my last, my my first thirteen, but uh, they were pretty close. Well, Lord's Prayer I, uh, is a basically a, a fourth freshman style arrangement. So yeah, that's true. Any music that's in that style is going to remind me of Lord's Prayer. Uh, so we're talking about, um, you know, um, the uh, hearts were full of spring and Lord's Prayer, and Graduation Day, and then as we get to um, Pet Sounds, anytime you hear that kind of full vocal harmony, that's going to remind me of, of all those songs. So, yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, the st- Lord's Prayer, sorry. You Still Believe in Me is the first song that jumps to mind, but there are others. Yeah. Uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, you know, is a song that they contemplated resurrecting later, um, you know, just as they used our prayer from the Smile Sessions as right. the second to last song on 2020. So their follow-up, their proposed follow-up album, the last Capital album that never got released, which, you know, we think might have been called Reverberation or gone under some other titles, uh, they were going to do a, you know, a rechanneled stereo version of the Lord's Prayer as the second to last song on that album. So, so t- to their minds, I guess, it, it, it was very comparable to, uh, to our prayer. Yep, that was another one that I was thinking of. Uh, also, 
uh, Auld Lang Syne from the. Oh. Yeah, same thing. Um, so yeah, Wendy was you mentioned earlier. That was one that uh, I'd given some thought to as well. I, I think thematically it ties in a little bit with uh, with here today. J- just about you know a woman who devastates yeah. a man by by leaving him and and all of a sudden is, is uh, with another guy. W- Wendy's an interesting song because a very sad song, you know, and, and comes on that all summer long album, which is mostly about good times you know uh it, it's an upbeat song but but lyrically a very sad one so that that's interesting you know and brian is famous for that like the music and and and, and the story sometimes almost work at uh, an, an interesting cross purpose i was thinking about wendy too for some of those same reasons but also i was trying to think of other songs like i was mentioning a little bit earlier in which certain sounds were featured that weren't necessarily typical of other songs you might hear on the radio during that time. So that was on my list of songs that featured an organ in some way. Uh, So I had Wendy, uh, We'll Run Away, uh, Please Let Me Wonder. Um, I mean, organ isn't that weird for pop music during that time, but the, the organ sounds that he was using, that Brian was using, weren't typical of the sounds you would normally hear on other songs on the radio during that era. Uh, It's a little more churchy. It's a little more square. He didn't use the organ as to make his music more hip. He used organ sounds because it was a different tone quality. And and so that would just enhance the color and the backing. So I was thinking about it for that reason as well. That's a great point, and I mean, uh, the the use of keyboards on uh, on Pet Sounds was definitely influential. Um, look at a lot of the stuff that Al Cooper did in the yep. late '60s, and I interviewed Al Cooper, um, you know, for for my book, and he talks about the song here today, which is you know very big on uh, on organ, and yeah. uh, and boy did he uh, and he admits it, boy did he recycle <laughs> that sound uh, on a lot of records. Uh huh, for sure. Philip, thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, The book, again, is titled Good Vibrations, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys in Critical Perspective. If you have any interest in the Beach Boys whatsoever, please run out and buy it. And uh, we look forward to uh, speaking with you guys again next time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have this very interesting and fascinating conversation. And I wish you guys well. Thanks, Thanks, Philip. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah.